thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I'm excited to be here, and I hope that you're here to probably have healing like myself when your brackets busted on the first day that you filled out. Um, you just have no choice but to come and, and find healing because 14s should just not beat threes so often. But anyway, yeah, some of you are like, what is he talking about? Well, I'll talk more about it. Don't worry. I'll explain. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love March Madness. People ask, what's your favorite sport? You know, and I, I know in Seattle we're all leaning towards football, and, uh, but it, it someday we'll have basketball back in the name of Jesus, and maybe this year we'll actually have baseball to cheer for. But I love college basketball. There's just something about the zeal that's involved in college basketball, and there's no better season than right now for Fairweather fans. So, uh, go Zags. Here, here we go. I would only say that during the playoffs because the Huskies aren't in. Okay, moving on. Uh, Luke 12, 49 through 59 is where we're at, and we're in this crazy uh, series that we're walking through Luke, and, and we're in this portion of Luke where Jesus is taking, like, the light Jesus loves you, fluffy teachings that really he focused on in the first half of Luke, and now he's on the way to the cross, which Easter's all about, you know, the death and, and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is on his way, making his way like geographically to the cross, and as that's happening, he's having all these teaching moments, but he's going layers deeper, like he is just getting real with his disciples and the crowds that are sticking through these hard teachings. So uh, today is another one of those hard teachings. Like, it, I was going, wow, this is an interesting one to teach. And you'll know what I'm saying as soon as I start reading. So here we go. Luke 12, 49 says, I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and that constraint I am under until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Let's pray and go home. Lord, I just, no, I'm just kidding. You're like, wow, that was an interesting church. Uh, okay, here we go, verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, 
You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you do not know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on your way. Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. So, as I mentioned, I love this time of year. And uh, it, I absolutely love this, this reality of watching the intensity of college basketball playoffs and the effort everybody gives to, like, win the game. I mean, every last ounce of energy. I don't know if anybody was watching last night the Notre Dame game that goes into overtime, and, like, there's just critical plays made right at the end to, to save Notre Dame and get them to where they won because my bracket had them winning. That's why they did it, right? Anyway, so they're, they're like, you know, just playing fully and crazy intense it was, it was an amazing deal. Um, but as I remember back to my childhood, I played basketball, and, uh, and there was always interesting moments. I mean, I, I'm looking at these collegiate athletes, and I'm going, it's an amazing accomplishment for them to even get to the playoffs. It's what everybody works for. As soon as you're at the playoffs, you're in a position where you have a, a level playing field. It's, it's you know, you made it, so you have a chance, even if you're paired up against the number one team, you know, and you're the last, the 16 seed. It's like, but you still have a chance. You can, you can win every game in a row and win the playoffs, you know, and so you kind of, it, it's cool to see. They've played all season, 30-plus games. Um, somehow they were good enough throughout all of their athletic career so far to be on that team and make it, and then their name gets known, and we hear their stories, and some of them make you cry, you know, and it's like, but, but they had to get beyond something to get to that point. There was a moment in their life when they experienced exactly what I experienced. When I was a kid, it was when I was a kid, clarify, I was a little chubby, and um, uh, I didn't grow vertically very fast, and so I just, you know, I've, I've caught up a little bit with my potential, but I still, anyway. So I was like, you know, just, but I loved sports still. I was just the thick kid, you know? I like the word thick better. Um, it's my structure was different. <laughs> anyway, you're thick-boned. <laughs> you, you know, that's what I used to get told. I'm like, it really doesn't make me feel better, but thank you very much. That's awesome. I'm thick bone, you know, and, and so here I am, you know, kind of the stockier boy, and, and, uh, and I, I would just love to play any of the sports, but the one I loved most was basketball, and so you would get in that moment where everybody wants to play, right? You line up, and, and it's schoolyard pick, and, and, you know, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you. Who wants that? You know, it's that. I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody. But I had to work through that. It was a little painful. And there was, there was something happening. I mean, eventually, I was on a team, by choice or not, you know. And, and, and then I got good, and so they wanted me on their team. But there was a season where they really didn't want me on their team. Uh, you know, looks were deceiving with me. That's just what I say. Don't judge a book by its cover. And so we, we, we would get out there, and, and, um, and I was now part of a team, but a division had to happen first. There was a moment where... To be united, 
There had to be division. And Jesus is explaining a similar moment here. This is, this is God's choosing to bring a division so that there can be unity. He had to bring this fire of his son to earth to introduce the reality of grace that we could choose to follow him, right? He says there's this baptism awaiting him and how he wished and agonized, and it was this weight, that baptism. What is that? That's his cross. That's his death. That's his resurrection. And he's like, the weight of it until it's completed. But this fire had to come. This He did come as the Prince of Peace, but yet he came as one that would reality create division in the middle of creating. He's uniting people to himself, but to choose to follow him was creating division amongst people. So he's like trying to explain this challenge that the people now were caught up in. When someone joins the team of faith in Jesus, there becomes someone on the team and someone who's still yet to be chosen. And there's tension there, the same tension I felt when it was five on five and I was number 11, still standing there. which team, guys? You know, it's never fun to be that guy. And then they're like, uh, Huff, we'll play dodgeball with you. You know, and you're like, oh, what are you talking about, guys? Uh, why are you throwing the basketball at me? Ouch, that hurts. I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. That would have been funny. Um, so there's this concept of fire that Jesus talks about. Why would, why would God use this term? Fire's used throughout Scripture, and so I thought it was it would be cool to have a little insightful teaching moment here and and do some reading and look because there's there's all kinds of uh, symbolism and use of fire in God's judgment and division throughout Scripture. Fire will usually serve two primary purposes in people's life, depending on how it's used and and depending on how we respond to God and His message in His Word. And so we can learn about that as we read and, and look at some references in Scripture and see how this fire of Jesus that He's bringing can help us understand why He went to the cross, the grave, and the resurrection, Easter's in two weeks. And, and it's this is very timely and, and kind of cool. Deuteronomy 4.24 says this. In the Old, Old Testament, says, The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And, and there's songs out there that maybe you hear, you know, where they're singing, Our God is an all-consuming fire. And it's just this thought of, man... When we make a decision to follow God, when we make a decision to put our faith in Jesus, like that all of a sudden there's this transformation happening inside of us, and it's, all con- it's literally all-consuming. It's, it's changing us from the inside out. It's, it's all-consuming. God, you're an all-consuming fire. Interesting enough, there's this beautiful promise in this passage, but this is the very passage that makes some stumble because it bothers them that God's jealous. Isn't it an interesting concept? I know, I, I know one of the most prominent figures that said the reason they didn't follow the faith of Christianity because God is jealous is Oprah. And she's like, I couldn't, I couldn't follow a jealous God. I don't believe jealousy is a, 
a God worth following. So I'm going to follow me, you know. So anyway, uh, that's a whole other subject. But I, I look at uh, the reality of God being jealous, and, and I see that as just like a sincere love for us. Like he's, he's so sincerely in love with us, and so much so that he did send his son for us. You know, that, that jealousy is he wants to just consume all the things that would distract us from anything other than him. He's jealous for us. And so we sing songs about that too. You know, he is jealous for me. And, and those are fun uh, songs to worship. It's like out of that one passage. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, it's not, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Again, so now we have that God is an all-consuming fire. His word is like fire. Hebrews echoes the Deuteronomy passage in verse 1229 says, our God is a consuming fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15 says, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it burns up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Personally, I don't want to, like, be charcoal when I'm in the presence of Jesus, you know. Oh, I made it. You know, smoke. You're like, oh, charcoal. I, got, I went through the flames, but I'm here, right? I mean, that's good. You want to you make it. To, to heaven, right? You want to choose to follow the Lord and serve Him, but what's being spoken of here is not only is God an all-consuming fire, His Word is like fire, but like what we do in serving God will be tested, and if He built it, it's going to last. If we built it, it's going to turn to ashes, because it wasn't of Him. And, uh, and, and we'll sure, because of our faith in Jesus, we're going to make it into heaven, we'll be a little singed, you know? And uh, so that's just a really intriguing descriptiveness, like of the different angles fire is used here. God will use fire to reveal the work, the piece of art known as your life. He's going to look at our lives and test it with fire, refine it as in fine jewelry, as in, you know, find out what are we made of? Are we pure gold or have we been refined in His flame? We don't wait on Him to, to make a judgment, though. We have the opportunity to pick our fire, if you will. Jesus is the ultimate fork in the road. By Jesus coming, we now have this option, this choice that we can make and we can lead others to make to choose Him as Lord and Savior and experience different results from the flames. And Jesus is trying to make that clear to His followers. I, I like Luke 6, that says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. I mean, he's been telling us these seeds of, it might not all be rosy when you choose to follow me. And harder for us to understand in America where we have freedoms for religion than it is in other countries where if you choose to follow Jesus, you literally become divided into pieces. 
So the first thought here today of three that Jesus really introduces in here, acceptance leads to purification and refinement. A result of fire, if you will. Acceptance leads to purification and refinement. For those who accept this word and follow Jesus, his fire will purify and refine them into what the full potential of life can be. Choosing to follow Jesus separates us out. But yet, while we're still in the world, we're, we're called, we're separated, where there will be a sense of confusion and even potentially division because of us being set apart by putting our faith on Jesus. The original term, Christian, meant the, the called out ones. Isn't that interesting? The called out ones, but yet we were called out to live in or called out to go back. So we're united but divided. Divided out in the way that we live and, and see life and the lens we live life through, but yet united in that we're supposed to still love and serve and share our lives with everybody around us in a way that is a light for them to find the opportunity to be united with Christ as well. Colossians 1:21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, right? We were divided. We were not united with God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 words it like this. Therefore, come out from them. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus came to encourage sinners that their accusations can fall to the ground. In fact, Easter will be sharing a message about this. I'll give you the preview because you're inviting your friends to Easter so they can hear about Jesus, right? So uh, for Easter, the, the talk is on. There's therefore now no condemnation. You're free from shame because Jesus took that on himself for us. No longer will the stone be cast at you. And so uh, coming back to that free from accusation thought, Jesus came so that we could be free. He came for the sinner. He came that none would perish. But we first have to be united with him, which is a moment of division. Our unity in the law of opposites kind of way leads to disunity. By becoming a light, we've become the opposite of darkness. And so, what Jesus is introducing is it's not going to be all happy and hunky-dory necessarily, right? You're going to be a light, and sometimes people will not like that light. And how I wish we didn't have to have it this way, and we could just have everybody follow God and, and be happy and united and live together in perfect harmony, but there's a day for that, and it's in heaven. So those 
wanting to live in darkness with their lives marked by sin and evil will be polarized from those who unite themselves as followers of Jesus. And only our prayers for them, our love for them, our service to them, the good we do to those who harm us, and that will soften their hearts to be able to hear the gospel. And many of us are those whose hearts were softened. I was the enemy of the light. I was the one polarized and living in darkness and casting the stones and saying, you guys are so judgmental. You know, it was, that's a reality of life for me. I've been on the other side. And I think we live amongst those we love and care for. It's our opportunity to be on mission with Him, to just be a servant to those who may not agree with the way we have chosen of faith. Acceptance. We still need to accept. The second reality of this fire, rejection leads towards destruction. Rejection of Jesus leads towards destruction. For those who reject and defy God's fire will consume and destroy. And you can, I mean, the Old Testament is filled with moments of just horrific destruction. But in the modern context, he sent Jesus so he wouldn't have to do that. It's a season of grace. And so now it's instead of God sending fire and consuming a city or whatever, now he's sent servants to love those who need him because they've yet to choose a path that's free from the pain, the path that they're on. Some of us in here are probably on that path. If you yet to choose to follow Jesus, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening to the message of Jesus. And we better have people in our lives and have conversations regularly with people who have yet to follow Jesus. I did multiple times this week, and I love the people in my life that don't necessarily believe the way I believe, but you know what they're grateful for? The way I serve, the way I love them unconditionally. I love the one conversation. Thad, I'm just so sorry. I don't mean to, to cuss all the time in front of you. And it's like, no, no, no worries. That's, that's just fine, right? But you're a pastor. I'm a person, you know? It's like, it's just really interesting conversations you have. And, and there's convictions and there's interesting feelings that happen there. It's this tension that we manage Versus a problem we cut off. I'm just like, you better feel bad about cussing in front of me because I have ears that are anointed by God. You know, that'd be weird. I'd be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't think we're called to be that guy. I think we're called to be like Jesus. One who says, you're free from accusation. Where are those accusers? Well, here's some passages for you. Uh, Luke 10, verse 16, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. I think sometimes we really embody the rejection we feel when somebody doesn't want to come to church with us or they tell us they're going to come and they don't show up or, uh, or maybe they're just like, church isn't my deal. And you're like, well, it's not my deal either. You know, it's like, it's kind of God's deal. <laughs> you just put it in place. Anyway, so, but you're trying to like help them figure out, hey, there's life to the full. There's more to this life. Whatever. You're just weird. Yeah, you're right. I am. Yeah, that's okay. But they're not rejecting you. You're the messenger, right? 
John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Right? They could be free from God's wrath, but it just remains on them until they choose life. There's more to life. Open life. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just free free branding. Uh, John 12 says this in verse 48, there's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I've spoken will condemn them at the last day. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, a life that is set apart for Him, right? Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just full of these challenges in Scripture about the reality that people will reject our message. People will reject the way we live life. People will reject our choices that are inspired by the very Word of God, but yet that is okay. It's okay. We just need to continue to serve and love them. And although they might keep us at arm length, we still continue to love them. The difference will be the source of, of much division, uh, whether we've accepted or rejected the message of Jesus. And in that division, the pain of, of condemnation or the pain of punishment remaining on those who've yet to choose follow Jesus should just make us ache inside in such a way that would cause us to take action and share our faith with those that are around us. That's the inspiration and motivation for me. It's like, it's like I can't stand it if somebody's yet to follow Jesus. I have to bring them into the conversation or serve and love in their, their context and get out and be present with them in community so that they can have a representation of the genuine love of God in their circle, in their world. And maybe someday, yeah, they'll make it here. And I'm going to continue to invite them until they show up. But not just weirdly. I'll talk more about that in a second here. So, third thought. Reconciliation takes effort. It's this weird word that we read just a second ago in one of those passages. You've been reconciled to God. And if you're an accountant, maybe you get that. But Jesus didn't say this was going to be easy In the passage in Luke today, he said, try hard to be reconciled while you're on your way. What is this reconciliation thing? What does this mean? Why do we have to try hard to do this? Reconcile means to be restored to right relationship. Uh, Anyone ever heard of the the term reconciling your accounts? You know, if you've worked in the business world. My dad's an accountant, so I just kind of got this at a young age. Uh, but I learned that we used to use paper for things back then a lot, you know, so we would have checkbooks, not just like an app that did everything for you. But, you know, so we would, we would uh, you know, actually have to write down what we spent in this little piece of paper, and then we would get this piece of paper in the mail. You couldn't look it up online. There was no online. Anyway, so, you know, you'd get this piece of paper in the mail, and you'd go back and forth, and you'd go, why am I off by $10? And you had to keep doing that until you could 
reconcile your account, right? Until they were both the same. And so nowadays, it's a little different, but we need to do the same thing. Every month, open life, we reconcile our account. Our treasurer looks at the books, and our accountant looks at the books. And I mean, we just we make sure they're reconciled. All the batches agree, you know. And, and if not, if we're off by a penny, we have to fix it. We have to figure out, where's the penny? And, you know, so the hunt begins. Reconciliation in the spiritual sense, then, is God saying, you know, I want to get you back into right relationship with me. So the way that we have opportunity to be reconciled to God was through Jesus' death. That was the account balance. That's how it was off. And that's called sin when we miss the mark, when we're off. And and so he had to bring it to a balanced account. There's a moment in accounting where you're just like, I have no idea why we're off. What do we do? We have to fix it. You can't leave it off. And and we've searched everywhere. What do we do? Well, we got to reconcile it somehow. God had that same reality. He's like, man can't live holy without help. So I'm going to initiate relationship with them. Send my son so that this account of their life can be reconciled. And so that's why Jesus came. That's why he went to the cross. That's why we celebrate Easter. But your unity with Christ in many contexts brings division still, even though that was the heart of his sending his son. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. Are those strong words that he's using, right? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, we know that that we've been reconciled, but the work is often living in the world as a reconciled one. The work is, and what's hard and what we need to try hard at is to live as a, a reconciled one, acknowledging Jesus and all the tensions that brings around us. We can't just live our faith in secret and hope nobody finds out we're a Christian because then they're going to think we're that guy. And they're going to attach that negative Christian thing to us, right? We can't, we're not called to live in secret. We're reconciled to reconcile, to literally become ambassadors for God. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. So how do we walk this out? I'll give you some. I'll give you a practical example by a life in the a week in the life of Thad. Okay, so this week I had the opportunity to do a few different things in community, being present with our community uh, to serve alongside those who definitely some uh, 
directly oppose the faith of Christianity, uh, would call themselves um, uh, like they totally, they don't believe in, in Jesus at all. You know, whatever they call themselves, pagan, or some would uh, just totally go all kinds of directions. No need to, to call them out. But, you know, so I, I had these opportunities to, to serve alongside a bunch of my friends and community. And um, one of those opportunities was called the Communities for Family Summit this week. So through our serving the local school district, um, over the course of the last three years, the Sumner School District has had open life involved in some way, shape, or form or another to the Communities for Family Summit. Three years ago, I was the MC for the, the event, and this event has about 300 people at it to 400 people, depending on the year. It is all the middle school and high school student leaders. Uh, leadership groups are invited. Every community leader, nonprofit leader, uh, city official, elected officials, just all these people from around Bonnie Lake and Sumner. And uh, so they have this opportunity to come together and hear about the needs of the community, give unsung hero awards, and, and just all these different celebrations that happen and give honor where honor is due. It's the once a year they come together and do this. And so they had me MC three years ago. Last year, they had me actually do the, the, the main keynote talk at it. And then this year, they asked if we would MC it, but they as well had us come and like do all the tech for it. So we brought Open Life to the middle school across the street and helped put on this event. And it was awesome. It's awesome how you have an opportunity to be introducing yourself to every community leader that exists out there. <laughs> and that they're cheering on open life. And that our favor is absolutely unlimited in the community. How is this possible when they don't necessarily agree with what we do in our life's practices or our faith because we've served and we're faithful. And you know what? The conversation turns and you have opportunities to talk about Jesus with people in a, in a school-initiated environment. So much so that in conversation with one of them, they're like, we've had a really tough week this week in our district. This happened and this happened and this happened. Have you ever thought about being like, a chaplain for the school district? And I was like, talk to me about that. What are you talking about? Will pro sports have a chapel before they go out and play the game? What if once a week we had like a chapel service at the administrative building? I was like, sure. Uh, let's do that. You know, you're like, can you do that? You know, I'm just, but you're like, whatever door you want to open, we're going to run through it. And just be present there. But yet, to some, that would just anger them to no end. <laughs> they knew those conversations are happening, right? You had a church run the sound for a school district event and be the MC? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, huh? The faith thing isn't the obstacle there. Oh, that earlier that day, this was Thursday afternoon, earlier that day, I uh, had the opportunity to MC for. Uh, the city of Bonnie Lake and the Chamber of Commerce. 
And, and so got to lead the, the monthly Chamber of Commerce luncheon, which I get to do every month. But this one was where the city was introducing all these research projects they've done in the community. So there was an extra large number of people there. And, and, uh, and here's going, wait, you're the spokesman like for the Chamber of Commerce? You're a pastor. Like, what business do you own? Right? <laughs> Those conversations always happen. Well, what do you, what, what, why are you here? You know, and it's all confusing to them. Um, so, so you just make it funny, usually. That's, that's my default. And, uh, and, and so you have fun in that room, but with the city and the city thanking open life for what we do in the community. And you just sit there and go, how does this happen? We just, even though we're divided, we're united. It's the same community. We love this city. So I get a phone call Friday morning from one of the local State Farm agents. Hey, yeah, Thad, you're still doing like stuff with the community, right? I was like, yeah. He says, well, I got this email today that, that uh, they're giving away like a $25,000 grant. And I thought to myself, well, Thad's always doing stuff in the community, and it says in the email to, to pass this forward to whoever is serving your community. And so I thought, I should give this information to Thad so you could apply for it, for the different things you're doing in the community. And so there's a reason all these things happen in one week, and more things than that happen this week. This is a great week. It's one of those good weeks, you know? And you're just going, but all of them are the fruit of serving and loving those who are not united in the faith. We're still present with our community and loving those and right in the center of culture, even though our faith has resulted in ways where we're divided. Does that make sense? Jesus was trying to approach this in the text today. Jesus was trying to be clear. This is not going to be easy. There's going to be times where, yeah, the language is filthy around you, and you feel really uncomfortable, and you question, should a Christian be in this environment? But these people still need the love of Jesus. Or am I getting anywhere with these people? Like, am I making any progress with my neighbor? Or are they making progress with me? And you start to question I tell people, they're like, what's it like starting a church, Thad? I was like, well, it's like going undercover as a police officer and wondering if you're still okay with the agency. You know, every once in a while, you're like, are they okay that I'm at BLT playing in a poker tournament right now? I won't tell them. I'll just be okay. You know? So it's like, you know, you're just every once in a while, you wonder. But those people need Jesus too. Man, maybe for you, it's as simple as, or as challenging, this might not be simple for you, but as challenging as handing an Easter invitation to three people you've been praying for. There's a little long bookmark type card in your worship guide that has a spot for you to pray for three people, three families maybe that you would invite to Easter and just go to hear that, that Jesus took their shame and condemnation, that there's no judgment against them. He loves them. And it's like, no matter if they're broken or not, you know, he's, he's got incredible love for us. And so you look at that, and maybe handing out that invitation is going to be united yet divided for you. Um, or maybe it's finding your way back to Jesus today, that that's going to be that moment of being united, and you're finally just going to take that step and risk 
even though you know it's not always going to be easy to follow Jesus in the world we live in. I don't know what price you're going to have to pay to follow the challenge in this text today. But we know we need to be reconciled and we need to try hard at it. We know we need to manage the tension of division. And we know people need Jesus, so we have to begin to let them know that there's a place that unconditionally loves them and will serve them, no matter where they're at on their journey of faith. So we should invite them into this journey with us. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you for your word. And sometimes it's weird sounding, like fire and judgment and division and stuff is is kind of uncomfortable at first read until we really take a broader look at your word and understand, oh, we're talking just about acceptance and rejection here. We're talking about an opportunity to be free from the condemnation that is on us until we choose to follow you. And, and I just thank you that you put us in an environment where there's hope preached, where there's good news. And not only here, but we have an opportunity to be equipped to take that with us during the week. And I pray that, God, you would just rise up in us with boldness to try hard at being reconciled with you. Maybe that trying hard is stepping out in faith and inviting you to be Lord of our life today. Saying, okay, I'm going to choose to follow you, Jesus. This isn't going to be easy, but I'm going to be reconciled. I'm not leaving this place. I, and I implore you to do that. But yet, God, maybe some as well need to just realize they need to come out and be open that they're a follower of Jesus and just manage the tension of the division it causes. And yes, that may be in our own homes as Jesus identifies. And God, we pray for Easter. Two weeks out. It's a day where people are just open. They're going to find their way to churches in the community. Whatever inspires or motivates them. But you've put people in our influence that we can make a stronger impact in. I pray for those that are listed on people's prayer bookmark. God, I pray that they would be inspired. Something would stir in their heart to make their way through the doors and hear a very clear presentation of the good news of Jesus, the hope and life that's in Jesus, and the freedom from condemnation and shame. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave's going to sing a worship song and then have you watch a video in a moment. But on the back of your connection card, there's an opportunity for you to respond or maybe you're at the bottom of your notes on the, uh, uh, the app and you want to fill out the connection card and just let us know a prayer request or something that the Lord is stirring in you. We'll also have an opportunity to pray with you down here afterwards if you'd like personally. But allow this message to sink in and really just go, okay, God, what's my action step today? And contemplate that as, as Dave leads us. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.